Well, welcome back to Village Green Community Church, where our mission is to love God, to love others, and to change the world. And we are into week three now of our sermon series called Game Changer, where we've been reminding ourselves just how important our decisions are. The everyday decisions that we make, those are important. They can even be life-changing, right? Because our decisions, all the decisions we make each and every day, set our life on a course, send our life in a direction towards an eventual outcome. And one bad choice, well, that can put our life way off track. It can put us on a lifetime of recovery sometimes. But one good choice, one good decision, one good move can cover over a multitude of wrongs, can set our lives back on track, and we can start living again with greater purpose and passion than ever before because of one good decision. Because one move can change everything. And if we were to grasp this understanding, one move can change everything. One decision could change our life. If we could grab a hold of that, it would mean that every moment we are living just a few seconds away from potentially a life-changing decision. If you or I were brave enough to make that decision, if we had enough faith to make that decision, we could change our world. And last, a couple weeks ago, we talked about prayer. Prayer is the ultimate game changer. Why? Because prayer invites the eternal perspective and the eternal power of the kingdom of heaven into our here and now. When we decide to pray, we open up the doors to heaven and we ask the eternal perspective, the eternal power of God's kingdom to enter into our world. It'll change your life. Last week, we talked about the Bible, the Word of God. We exposed some of the myths that our world and we, even as believers, can sometimes hold wrongly about our Bible. But we talked about how when we choose to live out the Bible, not just read it, but live it out, when we do that, we again open up our ears to hear the voice of God into our life. Because it's not about how many times you've been through the Bible. It's about how many times the Bible has been through you. Now today, I want to spend some time talking about a game changer that in my opinion, second only to the gift of God himself to us and to the world, is the greatest gift that God has given to us. I want to talk about relationship, community, a sense of belonging. Okay, there's no doubt the greatest gift that God has ever given us is himself, right? At creation... The Bible says in Genesis 1 that God made man and then breathed into him the breath of life. And he said, let us make mankind, men and women, in our image. Okay? God gave himself to us in creation in a special way. Nothing else in all of creation was made in God's image. Not the mountains high, the oceans deep, no animal on land, no bird in the air, no fish in the sea, nothing. You and me, mankind alone, have been given something special by God. We have been made in his image. God gave himself to us at creation in a special way. Genesis 3, right? Sin enters the world. Adam and Eve choose to disobey, and ever since, we've lived with broken relationship. But God chose to give himself again to us. He chose a people, and out of that people... To that people, to the world, he sent his one and only son. 
that if we would choose to believe in him, we could have a restored relationship. God gave himself to us again. And when Christ's time on earth was done, he just didn't return up into heaven and God did not just stay distant from us. He sent his Holy Spirit to dwell with us, to be with us, right? God is not a God that lives far off. God is not a God who lives in temples of stone built by the hands of men. God came and gave himself to us that if we would choose to believe, if we would choose to follow, his spirit, the Bible says, would take up residence in us. There is nothing that can match the gift that God has given to himself. But why? Why does God keep giving himself to us? Why would God choose to make us in his image? Why would God choose to provide forgiveness for us disobedient people and our disobedient choices? Why would God give us his Holy Spirit so that we could live as redeemed people in a fallen world? Why would God do that? For relationship's sake. Because God longs to give us relationship. And above everything else, what relationship represents to us and means to us, I believe, is that relationship gives us a sense of belonging. And every single human being, that's you, that's me, that's everyone we lock eyes with, every single human being wants to belong. We want to be accepted, we want to be welcomed, we want to be respected and regarded as someone of importance and someone with value attached to them. There's something wired into us that just wants to belong. It's God-given. I remember a couple of years ago, a number of years ago now, I was getting my motorcycle license. Got the license, didn't have a bike. I hadn't been on a motorcycle in almost 20 years. Bought a bike. I could ride. Could I? Well, I took it out in the parking lot, trying not to hit the parked cars a few times before I went out on the road. It was a wind, I remember it was a windy day. I was so scared, so nervous. I lived north of London at the time, so to get all the way across the city, I mapped out like the most obscure route where I figured I would not meet hardly anybody. So I get on my bike, I work up the courage, and I get out um, onto the road, and, and I'm going along, and I'm shaking, I'm gripping this thing tight, right? And I'm not sure if it's me shaking or if the wind's blowing me, but I feel like I'm going to go over any second. About five minutes into my trip, I'm still just nervous there. I see another biker come and approaching me the opposite way. And we come to pass each other. And, and do you know what the biker did? Have you seen this? Yeah, the biker wave, right? The biker wave. And, and, and something inside of me is like, oh. <laughs> right? This motorcyclist had no clue how scared I was, had no clue how insecure I was, certainly had no clue I had been on the thing for five minutes, right? <laughs> Passed me. <laughs> Welcome, fellow biker. Good to see you on the roads, right? I belonged. I had a sense of belonging, right? So then a few minutes later, I'm driving by, saying, I see another motorcycle coming my way. Do you know what I did? <laughs> the world's fastest motorcycle wave, but it was a motorcycle wave because you know what? I was in. Suddenly, I belonged to this group, to these people who accepted me, and they knew nothing about me. But I was in, and there was something inside of me that felt good, a sense of belonging, a sense of acceptance, a sense of togetherness and companionship. And we as human beings love to feel that. You might not like to ride motorcycles, but you love that feeling of belonging and of acceptance, right? To be part of the mob, to be part of the group. Why? Because we were made for relationship. 
okay? We were made for togetherness, for community. And, and I'm not talking about a big party and extroversion to, to the max, right? Because I know for some of us, um, we don't always like to be around people. I just need my own space, right? But I'm not talking about whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, whether you love to go and be surrounded by crowds of people, or whether you prefer solitude. The truth is, is that we're relationship-oriented people. We need relationship. We long for a sense of belonging. Imagine for a moment with me a world without any sense of belonging whatsoever. What would that look like? No relationship. No safe place to go. No one to cry with in your sorrows. No one to laugh with in your times of celebration. No holiday get-togethers with family and friends. No sense of companionship, partnership. No acceptance, no respect, no admiration. No hints of relationship, of belonging, and everything that good comes from that. Sounds a lot like hell, doesn't it? And actually, I I would think that that's a a more accurate picture of hell than maybe fire and darkness, right? But that's a whole other sermon. Um, Here's the kicker. There's lots of people in our world today who are living just like that. The relationally poor, lonely, isolated. They're fending for themselves. They're struggling just to make it. They're pretty much invisible to you and I on a daily basis. And to much of the world, for much of the time, they are invisible. And in some ways, we've all been there, right? We've all been in that place where we felt relationally really disconnected and really separated from people and really all alone. Sure, we've put on the smile, we've put on the mask, we've gone around, we've pretended we're okay, but inside, we feel so alone. We don't feel like we belong. We don't feel like people are really accepting us, that nobody really gets us. We've all been there, okay? We just long in those moments for someone to step outside of themselves and to see us, to just say a couple of words to us that, that would spur us on to, to carry on, right? And maybe it's not even words we need. It's just someone to be present. I remember one time in, in university, um, I was in way over my head. I had so much going on. I was surrounded by people all the time. I was involved in almost every extracurricular thing under the sun. My studies were failing because of it. I was, I was surrounded by people, but inside... I was so unconnected. And I remember one time just feeling at my lowest. I couldn't put the fake smile on anymore. I picked up the phone and I called my sister. And I remember just not hearing her voice. I just broke. I just started to cry because I was talking with someone who I knew I belonged to, right? I had a relationship with that I connected with. And I'm sure we all have a similar story to something like that. And when you experience that with someone... That's the power of relationship. That's the power of a magnificent, life-changing, game-changing gift that God has given to us called relationship, called community and belonging. And that's what I want to talk about today because relationship is a game-changer, right? I don't care um, where you're at in life. I don't care what circumstance you're currently in. Um, But what I do care about is to let you know that one move in the direction of bettering your relationships and strengthening your relationships can change your life. It's one move that can change everything. So let's turn to God's word, okay? We need to turn to Ephesians, sorry, chapter four. And I'm gonna read the first six verses. So if you got your Bibles, your smartphone, whatever you got, turn to the word of God. 
Ephesians chapter 4, 1 to 6, and we're going to see if we can't discover some aids, some helps, some guidelines for us to strengthen our relationships and increase our sense of belonging in the world for ourselves. Okay? Ephesians chapter 4, 1 to 6. Apostle Paul writing, he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Amen. So let's talk for a few minutes about strengthening our relationships, about increasing our sense of belonging. Because I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're feeling. Maybe you got that fake smile on this morning, right? But inside you just need something. What steps can we take to strengthen our relationships and increase our sense of belonging? First, I believe the Apostle Paul is reminding us, as always, you have to start with God, right? Paul begs his readers, that's us, also the church in Ephesus, to lead a life worthy of the calling because we have been called by God. And what have we been called to? First and foremost, a relationship with God. Remember that relationship, at its, uh, that relationship is at the core of who God is. Okay, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The mysteries of the Trinity, right? Three, but one. God himself is relationship. And when God made us in his image, he breathed into us this relational life, this relational image. We were made with relationship in mind. It's God's plan. It's really the entire message of the Bible. If you want the Coles notes of the Coles notes for the Bible, it's this, okay? Relationship is given at creation. Relationship is broken in the garden. Relationship is restored at the cross. And here's the thing about why we need to start with God, because better relationships start with a better relationship with God. The stronger our relationship with God is, the stronger every other relationship we have will be. I remember um, this was something that was uh, illustrated to Christine and I when we were in our, our premarital counseling. Um, and, but it's applicable to every level of relationship, right? Friendship, anything. So imagine a triangle, okay? God's at the top of the triangle, and down at the bottom um, is the two people in a relationship, right? And the closer these two people move towards God, the closer they inevitably become to one another, okay? The stronger your personal relationship is with God, the stronger your other relationships are going to be as well. Now, I'm not saying that there are, aren't any good relationships apart from God, okay? Because we all know and we've experienced and seen relationships where people aren't believers, right? Good relationships. Sometimes there's even great relationships. But I promise you this. You look at the characteristics of those relationships and what makes them great? Faithfulness, loyalty, love, patience, dependability, trust. All of those characteristics are the exact same ones that God calls us to. You see, don't forget that we're still made in God's image. We might be broken. 
we might be marred, but we are still made in God's image. Good relationships, even great ones, are possible in a fallen world. But if you add the dimension of faith, in a relationship, you take people who are just living an earthly existence and you expand that to an eternal reality, a relationship will get stronger. So there are good relationships. There are great relationships apart from God. But imagine if we could grab those relationships and center them into a relationship with God as well, how much stronger those relationships are still going to be. Better relationships start with a better relationship with God. So if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God or you don't know if you do, you don't know what that looks like, I encourage you to try figuring that out. Start a relationship with God. It'll change your world. And if you're here this morning and you do have a relationship with God, I encourage you to keep strengthening that relationship. Keep moving yourself closer to God because as you do, inevitably, your relationships with others will get better as well. It'll change your life. It'll transform your relationships when you start with God. But is it that easy? No. Um, Relationships are hard. This is the tough section here, okay, because we all know relationships are hard, especially in a broken world. Now, remember the triangle? There's the three three parts on the triangle, right? You're only in control of one of those, okay? You can't control God, and you can't control the other person in a relationship. You can really only control yourself. Thank God he's dependable and trustworthy, because we certainly aren't. And this is what makes relationships so difficult. We have an enemy. This is the truth about why relationships are so hard in your life. And that enemy wants to keep us from the greatest gifts that God wants to give us, the gift of himself, the gift of relationship. That's why living in relationship and having good and great relationships is difficult in a fallen world because we have an enemy. Okay? We need a strong relationship first and foremost with God. And we want to try to form strong relationships with others. But relationship as God intended is broken. That's why it's so hard to live in relationship and why relationship is never easy. So what do we do? Also, Paul speaks to this. He says, if you want better relationships, you need to work at it. Okay? You need to work at your relationship with God. You need to work at your relationship with others. Let me read um, verses 2 and 3 again. Okay? Because remember, here's Paul. He's in prison. He's isolated. He's by himself. Okay? But he still feels connected to God, purpose and passion that God has for him. He's still connected to a community of believers, even though they're not right around him. Okay? And these are, he's writing these letters. This one's to Ephesus, but he's writing these letters realizing, I probably am never going to be a free man again. What would I pass on to people to tell them you know, what they need to be doing in life? And he says these words, essentially what he's saying to the Ephesians, what he's saying to us is he says, keep working at your relationships. They're so important. He says this, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. In these two verses, Paul covers five incredibly essential but incredibly difficult characteristics of any great relationship. Humility, gentleness, patience, grace, and love. What do you get if you apply these five characteristics in ever-increasing measure into your relationships? You get peace and you get unity. That's what Paul's saying. 
You get better relationships when you work at them with intentionality. Those five elements, right, they're not easy to apply. Think about this, okay? What would it take for you to apply these things to your relationships? To God, but also to others around you. Humility. Take yourself out of first place all the time. Be humble. Gentleness. Always respond softly rather than reacting harshly or defensively. Be gentle. Patience. Let go of that control. Don't rush others and don't rush yourself into your desired outcome. Be patient with one another. Grace. Paul says in here, make allowances, right? Offer forgiveness for the faults of others. And love, make that choice to treat others in the highest regard and respect them even when you don't feel like it. That's no easy task, right? You need to work at that, okay? You see, we might love the ideal world, but we don't live in the ideal world, But I want to encourage us this morning, instead of giving up on the ideal world, why don't we just try to move a little bit closer towards it, okay? Because nobody's perfect, but we can become more perfect if we're willing to work at it. We can at least take miniature, minute steps towards it. So what if? What would your life look like? What would your relationships look like? What if you could increase just a little bit your humility today? What if you could muster up just a smidge more gentleness today? What if you could just have a few more moments of patience? Hold that in, okay? Few more seconds. What about just a a couple more touches of grace? What about just one more sacrifice of love today? And what if you could do that day after day after day after day? You're still going to fail. Your relationships are still going to be hard. But you will strengthen your relationships. You will increase your sense of belonging. You will grow closer to God and who God wants you to be. And you will go closer to others. It'll change your world. It will transform your relationships. Lastly, um, to better our relationships, we need to find the common ground. Find the common ground. I encourage you, look around you this morning, right? Maybe it's a little awkward to do it right now. Wait till nobody's looking and then spy on them. There's lots of things that can keep us apart. There's lots of things that can divide us and separate us. We're very different people. But there are equally a lot of things that can unite us. You know, we human beings are funny, funny people, right? We can be so different, but so the same at the same time. A person five minutes into a life-threatening world of motorcycling can be included in the club You get a bunch of uh, men together, you put them in a blue and white Maple Leafs jersey, you get them to play a game of hockey in Toronto, and a mob will show up to cheer them on together, even when they lose. Okay? Sometimes. Um, A band comes to town. They're going to play a concert. Droves of human beings buy a ticket. They buy t-shirts. They buy albums. And they know every lyric. And they sing out together at this concert. Why? Why would a group of people who have nothing else in common come together for common ground? 
We as human beings will come together for common ground. So let's see Paul's words from prison to a group of people. Now remember, Paul's this guy who's traveled around and started churches in various places all over um, the world, his world as he knew it at the time, right? He's writing to these churches who are filled with a bunch of different people, Jews and Gentiles, men and women, young and old, slave and free. These are people of great diversity, a lot of reasons why they could find their differences and settle there. But this is what Paul says to them after he says, work on your relationships. It's so important, he says, for there is one body. And there is one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, there is one faith, there is one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all, and in all, and through all. Paul says there's lots of reasons why we can be divided and why we're different. But there's lots of reasons why we're united, why we're the same, where there's common ground. And there's no greater common ground than our maker, the one who made us. Sure, we can find common ground in motorcycles, in sports, in music, but there's nothing that can even come close to the common ground that we experience in the family of God. Church is a huge game changer. Can I say that? Church is a huge game changer. It's a place where all other differences fade away and where one God who is over all and in all and through all and living through us all, he is our common ground. And you know, being a part of the family of God is not just something that ends when church is over. It doesn't stop when you get off your motorcycle, right? It doesn't stop when the fourth period buzzer ends. And it doesn't stop when the encore has been sung. Because it doesn't end. It's common ground, not just for this life, but for eternity. No, church is not perfect. We as a church are not perfect. But our relationships are growing. And hopefully they're growing on common ground. One Lord, one faith, one God and Father. Here's two truths, right? You were made for relationship. And you were made for eternity. There is no other place where those two truths will intersect more powerfully than right here. Community of faith. You were made for relationship. You were made for eternity. And there's no other place in the entire world where those two truths will intersect as powerfully as they do right here. Because, you see, every single human being wants to belong, right? We want to be accepted. We want to feel welcome, respected. We want to be regarded as people of importance and of value. There's something inside of you and there's something inside of me that just desperately wants to belong. And that's put inside of you by God who has a place for you, a place of true belonging, a relationship with himself. There is nothing greater, there is nothing more life-changing than a relationship with God. God is a relational God, and he wants nothing more than to bless you with better relationships, with himself, but with others as well. And not just for now, but for eternity. But relationships are hard. We've talked about that, and I don't want to leave that um, just hanging like that, right? 
because our relationships are opposed by an enemy and they're ripped apart by sin. And I just want to take a second here as I wrap up to apologize. I just want to say I'm so sorry for the brokenness relationship that you feel sometimes. I feel it too. I'm so sorry for that. It, it breaks my heart. But God is broken up about it too. And God's so broken up about it that he sent his son. He gives us his spirit so that right relationship can be restored. That our relationships can get better. It means we have to start with God. It means we have to work hard at it every day, right? We're not going to be perfect, but I can take a little step more towards perfection today, can't I? And tomorrow, maybe I can muster up the ability to just take one more step towards that, that, that calling of relationship that God has called me towards. It starts with God, it takes daily work, and it needs to be built on common ground. If you allow your differences to get into your relationships, you've got to find the common ground. And we find all these things through Jesus Christ, right? Relationship is a game changer for those people who are living an earthly hell right now and feeling so isolated and alone and, and like nobody cares. We have a message about a God who is relationship and who longs to have relationship with us. Why would God so much want to give himself and give us relationship? Because relationship changes things. It'll change your world. It's not going to be easy, okay? I know sometimes it'll feel like you just want to do it alone, but let me remind you of this. If all this is true about us being wired for relationship, if we're to choose, because it's difficult and because it's hard, and believe me, I get that, but if you're to choose to step away from relationship, individualism is the single greatest threat to living the life that God has called you to live. If what I'm saying is true, then that statement is true. The choice of individualism could be the greatest threat to living the life that God has intended for you. Why? Well, because relationship, everything's better when it's shared, right? Remember, remember that world without a sense of belonging? We, we don't want to be there. Everything's better when you can share it with people. Shared with your maker, shared with those around you. Life is better when you have an authentic and challenging community with whom you can laugh until it hurts and with whom you can cry until it heals with. Are you feeling stuck? Do you need something to change? Do you just want more out of life? Enter into a place of belonging. Invest yourself in relationship with God and with others. It's a game changer. Come back next week, because next week we're going to talk about a game changer. We're going to discover how we can shock and confuse the world by living out a characteristic that most clearly reflects the heart of God. Okay? Let's pray. God, thank you for relationship, that you want to continue to offer yourself to us in relationship. And if we don't start with you, our relationships, they may be strong. They might just be for this earth. But in the end, our relationships will be empty and leave us with nothing. But when we choose to follow you, when we start with you, when we start with a relationship with you, that's life-changing. It changes us. It changes those around us. It changes every relationship we enter into. It makes it better. It makes it stronger.
It gives us a greater sense of belonging and where there is a God who loves us and just longs to walk with us each and every day. We thank you, God, that you love us that much. In Christ's name, amen.